Numbers chapter number 12, would you please stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Numbers chapter number 12. Throughout Scripture, when the presence of God is upon an individual or is upon perhaps even a group of people, they often will go through a time and or a season of protection and a time and a season of blessings upon their life. It's truly something that in our lives, even as college students, you and I ought to desire to have the presence of God upon our life. It's you and I that desire to have His moving, His Spirit that is leading, that is guiding, that is directing you and I. But oftentimes throughout Scripture, we see where the opposite effects would take place when the presence of God was taken off of a group of people or off of an individual or God was not giving that person that, that protection and or that blessing or that power that they once had in their life. This takes place in this passage of Scripture today, and I want you to look with me at Numbers chapter 12. Would you look with me, watch in verse number 10, and listen what the Word of God says. The Bible says, And the cloud departed from off of the tabernacle. And behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. This morning, I'd like to preach a message entitled, The Presence of God This Summer. The Presence of God This Summer. Father, thank you, Lord, for our time that you've given us in the Word of God today. I truly believe that West Coast Baptist College is making a difference in the life of college students because of chapel. Because, Father, it's a time that we come in, and Lord, it is of the utmost importance that we open up the Word of God, that we sing praise to you. Father, I believe you desire it. Shame on us if we come to a point where we say we just don't have time for chapel. Lord, I, I really believe our priorities at that moment will be really mixed up. Help us to place priority on the Word of God. Thank you, Savior, for a final authority in our lives. I just ask now, Savior, for your anointing that you'd move, that you'd bless, that you would guide, that you would allow a Savior to walk out of those doors changed than when we came in. Changed in the likeness of you. That we'd be more like you, Savior. Father, thank you for who you are and what you've done. In your Son's holy and precious name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I'd like for us to look at this passage of Scripture and for a moment just get a background of verse number 10. Now, if you're taking notes this morning, my introduction may be a little bit long and my points will go very, very fast today, so I don't want you to panic, but I would like for you to look with me at verse number 1 in the Word of God here in Numbers chapter 12. Verse number 1 says, And Miriam and Aaron spake, watch very carefully now, against Moses. Now, we understand that Miriam and Aaron, they're family members, brother, sister here, speak against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman. Well, why are they speaking against Moses? Well, the Bible tells us they're speaking because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. Watch now very carefully, college students. The, the patience of Moses was tried in his own family as well as by the people that God had given him to be leaders over Several, several times in Scripture. 
The pretense was that he had married a foreign wife and probably because their pride was hurt, the envy of his family was stirred up and because of this superior authority in their life that God had given them, they did not like this and so they begin to talk about their leader, Moses. Comprehend this, call a student. One of the paralyzing mistakes I believe that many young people are making in ministry is they somehow believe that because they have problems in their life or had they have those that perhaps are opposing them, it somehow disqualifies them from being used mightily of God in the ministry. May I say this morning, young person, that this simply is not true. If you, as a person training for ministry, do not have problems, understand really you are not going to really have great potential. Your ability to help others is going to be limited to where you have been wounded in your life. The things that God has allowed you or helped you to overcome. May I say this, college student, in your life, you have got to comprehend early right now that you are going to face opposition. You are going to have those that do not like what you are doing. They do not like what you are where you are training. They do not like that you have a final authority in the Word of God. They do not like what you stand for. Understand, listen now, college student, there are going to be those that are going to be against you simply because you are in a battle, you are in a fight, you stand for what is right. And may I say, listen very carefully now, at times, you've just got to put your hand to the plow and move on. Gosh, there are going to be a lot of those out there that they are constantly going to be trolling you. They are constantly going to be on you. There are those that in the dorms constantly wanted to debate they want to bring you to a level where even if you agree with them, they will switch their position. Why? Because there really are those out there that just have a problem with what you stand for. And in those moments, you and I must learn early on that we have to move on for the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse number two, the Bible says, and they said, watch now, hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Have he not also spoken, watch now, not spoken also by us? Oh, listen now, watch. This, this really sheds some lights on the matter. They're upset, but honestly, their, their jealous kind of behavior is starting to come out. The, the reason that they're upset is because he married this Ethiopian woman, but this is not coming out in verse number two. That, that, that They're beginning to bring up the authority of Moses and his relationship with God. Call us, shoot, and comprehend quickly as we move through this. That, that watch, you're never going to be able to please everyone. In fact, even in your life, there are going to be those that are jealous of you uh, or your spouse or your ministry or your future ministry. Jealousy is when you count someone else's blessings instead of your own. But once again, may you and I learn from Moses and keep our eyes on him, not worried about vengeance, not worried about others talking about us, not worried about, well, you know, they said this and they did this. No, no, it's just watch that. It's continuing to move on, understanding that we have the presence of God, we have the word of God, we are able to do great things for him. But watch what the word of God said it says this and the Lord heard it friend comprehend this summer that God's watching 
having a little private conversation where nobody's supposed to hear it, but God heard it. Friend, I think at times we have to be reminded, be sure your sin will find you out. No, yeah, yeah, you, you go ahead and just move on through this semester knowing that you're going to full well walk out of here and you cheated somehow this week on your finals. Can I tell you this? That teacher may never find out, but God already knows. You may have marked off that you read or you did or you filled in or you put in, but you plagiarized, you pasted, you copied, you, you marched your way through school. And you walk out of here like you're awesome and you're great. and Boy, I got it all done. But I'm here to tell you, at times I think you and I just have to re be reminded that we serve a great Savior. We serve an omnipotent God. We serve an all-powerful God. We serve a God that is looking and watching. And just because you and your girlfriend or your boyfriend think you got away with it, and boy, that was close, and we almost got caught. We snuck off campus, and we did this, and we did that. Boy, look at us. Isn't that awesome? Let's give each other a high five because we got away with it. Can I tell you this? If you start to set that kind of foundation in your life, you will be a cheater for the rest of your life. If you set down that foundation of always trying to get around and always cutting corners and not trying to do what's right, but nobody's ever going to know. Can may I tell you this? Listen, friend, I'm trying to help you out this morning. Do not carry that over into your ministry or to, into your future marriage or one day when you're raising kids because I'm telling you, it affects others. It hurts our Savior. May I say, it will destroy your testimony. Amen. Verse number three says, Now the man of Moses, look at it with me, was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. If your semester was written in one verse, verse number three, what would the Word of God say about you and I? If your summer, when you finally are done and graduation is over and the car's packed and you rush to the airport and you start driving home, if God followed you all summer and summarized your activity, your attitude, who you are, and put it in the Word of God, verse number three, what would it say? Verse number four, look at it with me, says, The Lord spake suddenly unto Moses, watch now, and, and unto Aaron and Miriam, Come out, watch what he said, Come out ye three under the tabernacle of the congregation. And they three came out. <laughs> yeah, at this moment, I don't think I would want to be an Aaron or a Miriam. At this moment, I, I don't think if God shows up and God calls them out, I don't think I want to be in one of their shoes. What's so funny is, can you imagine if Moses is sitting there and he's with them and God shows up and, wow, God is here. This is amazing. And, okay, you three, step up. <laughs> Isn't it funny that well, what must have been going through Moses' mind at this, sir, this spot, this, this kind of, wow, this is kind of odd. I mean, hey, great, he's going to talk to us. I mean, in his heart, he must have thought this is going to be something really great or, hey, he's going to commend us or maybe we've done something right. <laughs> But the other two full well know what is taking place. It's about two summers ago, my wife and I were uh, on vacation, and uh, the Shepherd family, we all get together once a year, and uh, next Saturday after graduation, we'll head out, and uh, all the Shepherd family, we all get together, and there was eight of us kids growing up, and so me and my seven sisters and all of our uh, kids, we all get together with mom and dad, and, and uh, just once a year, once, one week, once a year, we all get to see each other, we all get together, and I remember getting uh, uh, somebody, everybody's coming up, and oh, somebody drew on the wall, 
somebody drew on the wall. And I just, I, to be honest with you, I, at that moment I was thinking, Lord, please don't let it be my kids. You know, yeah, yeah. one day you'll understand. I'm thinking, can't it be somebody else's kids that's in trouble? And everybody's talking and spreading throughout all the aunts and uncles. And, oh, somebody took a permanent marker and they drew on the wall and they drew on the wall. So I'm like, oh, I look at Carrie. I'm like, Carrie, go check it out. And she said, you go check it out. And so... I went and checked it out, and uh, I walked down there, and I get down there, and, and I immediately see, man, somebody took a permanent marker, and they wrote all over the place. I mean, it is everywhere, little pictures and butterflies and, uh, and just all kinds of stuff. I mean, it really was beautiful, but it's not our house. We were renting it, and here is this all permanent marker all over the wall. I said, hey, before, before we get on to the kids, I said, let's get them all in here and let's ask. <laughs> So I get all these grandkids. I think Carrie at that time was 21 grandkids and a bunch of them come in and it was all I said. And I sit there and I say, all right, somebody drew on the wall. I want to know who it is. We automatically know who it is not. Everybody else is sitting there like, oh, I didn't do it. I do. And they're starting to get in there like, hey, I want to see. What does it say? You know, and somebody's in trouble. And, but then there were two little girls. And they didn't say anything. They just stood, sat there with big old eyes, just staring, just staring. Now, I already knew who the two were because, like great college students, they drew their names on the wall. <laughs> like they left their mark, okay? I already know who it is. And one of them happened to me, my daughter, and they just sit there. They were scared, and, and they knew. The rest of them, no big deal, no problem. I, I really believe this is kind of what Moses and, and his siblings are like. like. They're sitting there. One of them's like, man, it's going to be great. This is going to be good. And the other two are just, man, they're scared to death. You think he heard? I don't know. if He's God. Of course he heard. And they're just, he thinks so. I, don't. I mean, they're, they are nervous about this. Look at verse number five. And the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forth. May I just say this? Listen, moving quickly. When God calls, you and I better listen. I am so sick of the culture that we live in where we act like God is just, well, well, he's kind of, he's one of these that if we want to, we will. You know, if, if he calls, if he says, if he does, you know, it's really, to be honest with you, an option. Let me tell you something, Kalashuna. We are not training you to be a believer of the Word of God, to handle the Word of God in such a, 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 a sloppy way that you and I get to pick and choose what we are going to believe and what we're not going to believe. You and I were not placed on this earth, watch, to tear apart the Word of God or to make phrases like, I think what God really meant to say here, or a better translation of this would be, may I tell you this, friend, you and I got to get out of that habit very quickly because I'm telling you, you and I serve a God that when He speaks, you and I ought to be listening. Look at verse number six. And he said, hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision. Did you check this? Did you listen to it? I mean, at this point, they're probably thinking, oh, well, I guess we were right. We said to I me, mean, is God only going to speak by Moses? And God shows up on the scene and says, look, if there be a prophet among you, I'll make myself known to him in a vision and will speak to him in a dream. Well, we said that. That's right. Watch verse number seven. My servant Moses is not so. Well, they had to be thinking, man, this is great. We even said that. I mean, he's probably not the one. He, he can speak to others. I mean, they, they kind of think that, that, that's, that this might be even going their way. Watch out. Who is faithful in all mine house. Verse number eight. With him <laughs> will I speak mouth to mouth. Even apparently not in dark speeches or in the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore... When were ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? God steps on the scene and God not only cleared Moses, but he begins to praise him. 
Moses had the spirit of prophecy in such a way that he had set him, watch, not just with the other prophets, but above the other prophets. Let Miriam and Aaron consider whom they have just insulted. You and I, listen very carefully, have reason to be afraid of saying or doing something against the servants of God. You and I at times may be presumptuous indeed to, to not be afraid to speak evil against those who the Lord uses. Can I just tell you, college student, listen very carefully, watch now, and I'm going to move quickly, but you got to watch. You and I had better be very careful insinuating or perhaps gossiping about, accusing or maybe even slandering someone who is in the ministry, someone who holds authority in the Word of God. May you and I never just come in and, well, we're saying this, we'll do this, it's no big deal. I'm just here to tell you, if there's one thing that you and I can learn from this is that we have got to be careful when we are talking about the men and women and other Christians that you and I are serving with in the ministry. I have said it so many times to individuals and to groups this semester that you have got to be careful when you're sitting in a group and someone is spouting off at the mouth that, that they know better and they know this and boy this wasn't fair and boy I'd do this different. I'm just telling you, you better be careful when somebody sits there and begins to talk bad about a man or a woman of God and act like it's no big deal and <laughs> it's just a big joke and my goodness, well, they're old. They can take it. I'm here to tell you, friend, if there's one thing we can learn, there are men and women in the ministry, and they are the hoary heads, and they've been there a long time, and maybe you and I might not agree with, with maybe an old-fashioned dress, or maybe an old-fashioned tie, or maybe we don't agree with they've got square twos to choose, shoes, and we got round shoes, or whatever the case may be. I'm just here to tell you, you better be careful when you start to insinuate about that person, or hurting their testimony. Why? Because there are consequences to that type of attitude. There's consequences to that kind of speech. Can I just tell you, college student, it's one of the last chapel services. I'm just going to be super real with you. So just, you just tune in for just a moment. It's almost tiring when you and I sit around and talk about somebody who's been in the ministry for a long time and or listen to someone who hurts the cause of Christ talking about a man of God. Oh, I'm telling you, I miss Sharon spoke in chapel. Boy, I'm telling you, he really didn't exegete the word of God in chapel like I would. Let me tell you where he's wrong. This is coming from a guy who has spoke three times in his life and none of them have been behind a pulpit. Oh, I'm telling you, if they were my kids, here's what I would do. And this girl begins to spot out. Here's when we need to change. Here's what we need to do. And then they're not married. They don't have kids. They've never been in that, in that realm or that life stage before. I tell you, it gets almost tiring to hear of those who, who, man, the whole group has never brought 10 people to church. But boy, I'm telling you, here's how you grow a church. Here's in this culture what they need to do. And here's the philosophy. And here's the methodology. And boy, here's the theology that we need. And I'm here to tell you, they haven't won a soul to Christ in three years. They never bring anybody to church. Their attitude is wrong about everything. And yet, bless God, here I am. God's 
give to everybody about how to do it right. May I tell you something, friend? You're a verse 1 and verse 2 type of Christian. You think you know it all. You think you know what's best. Boy, you read this and you've been here. And boy, my experience and in all 18 years of my life, in the last six years that I've been saved, here's what all I've learned. Now, listen, I'm not making fun of you. You know my heart. You know I love you. But I'm here to tell you, you better be careful hanging around people that have that type of attitude. They'll destroy your ministry. They'll destroy your marriage. They will give you a negative outlook on life. Person I want to be around? The guy who had no idea what was going on. This is Moses. James chapter 3 and verse number 5. Listen very carefully. Watch. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth and the tongue is a fire in a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and it is set on the fire of hell. Because of this, verse number 9, look at it with me. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them and he departed. And the cloud departed from off the tabernacle. <laughs> the removal of God's presence is the surest and saddest token of God's displeasure. When the presence is removed, we often see the negative results. What I love about West Coast Baptist College is that throughout this year, we have felt the presence of God. Do you remember revival at the beginning of the year when Dr. Getch, night after night after night, mounted the pulpit and the altars were flooded? Do you remember when a missionary came in that none of us, most of us, had never even heard of? The world hasn't heard of him. He walks up here with his Bible and hardly any notes. The missionary's name was Brother Miracle. And oh, how the presence of God showed up. Remember the hunt? We went out. And for most who worked so hard in the sun, got to sit down with the Bible and lead somebody to the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember that feeling? Remember 10 o'clock on Easter morning when pastor got done preaching and from all over lost souls began to come in and the presence of God was moving. Begin to look around, get down, we need help, we need help. College students up top, got to come down, got to come down. Do you remember? Do you remember? Do you remember youth conference at the end of the week, last message? Went up on this stage was hundreds of teenagers that said, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll surrender my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. You remember? Friend, this Wednesday, that feeling doesn't have to leave. The presence of God in your life is not saying, well, it sure has been good, it's been great. See you, West Coast, I'm out of here. 
I, that's it, boy, I'm done. The presence of God really met in this place, but I'm telling you, Brother Shepherd, you don't know where I go to church. Man, we don't, have, we don't even have a sound system. We have near this many people. My, my pastor works part-time. We don't see the presence of God. Excuse me, as if the presence of God is found in a sound system or on some screens on the stage or in some musicians. Excuse me, the presence of God is not to be compared to, well, I'm telling you, when we get in our car and we head out, I guess we won't see the presence of God anymore. Friend, I'm just here to tell you, if you want the presence of God in your life, it doesn't matter if it's today or tomorrow or next Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or when you pack up in your car and, man, you're on your way home. Listen, at that moment, it's not to say when you pull off campus that the presence of God has departed and it's no longer with me. No, friend, may I say throughout this summer, you must comprehend that you ought to want it. You ought to desire it. There ought to be something burning inside of you that says, I don't want to lose what I've learned. I don't want to lose the man or the lady that I have become. I, I still want to be on fire for soul winning and I, I still want to feel the presence of God at, in, a, in a college and career or a youth class or in the music as we've seen this last semester. Understand this, you don't have to lose the presence of God just because this semester is over. If this makes sense, say amen today. Amen. Listen very carefully, watch and I'm going to be done. When you see the presence of God in your life, there's something that's going to come out. I want you to write this down. When the presence of God is in your life, excitement will shine. I believe in a great way that there are many of you that are excited to graduate. And I'm thankful for every senior in this room. I can talk to the juniors and the... The sophomores are going to be in the freshmen and all the one-year Bible. And I'm so thankful for so many of you coming back next semester. You, just, you don't even know how you throw my heart. Let me talk to you for just a second. Understand this. We're all excited about something. For many college students, they're excited about next Wednesday. Oh, they're excited to have their own bed, and they're excited to wake up to their, you know, lucky charms. They're excited because they get to sleep in. Man, they're excited to get on the road. Man, they're excited to you know, catch up on their favorite show. I mean, I'm just, I've heard all the time, man, I'm just going to binge watch until I catch up on this season. Oh, I can't wait to get in. I can't wait for this, this, this. Hey, listen, 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 watch, watch. Those things are good, and those things are great, but those things don't last. Can I ask you something? Where, where's the college students excited to go home and uh, jump on a bus route? <laughs> Where's the call she says, man, I'm telling you what, Dr. Gatch, I can't wait to just get home. I'm to bring some ideas to, to my church. I can't wait to just help my pastor. And I can't wait to dig in and pray for my youth pastor's wife and to be there for her and be there for my youth pastor. Well, I just can't wait to, uh, to sing the hymns. I can't wait to see family. I can't wait, excuse me, to get back out and to knock doors. I'm just here to tell you, friend, a person who has the presence of God is a person who is excited about the things of God. And if there was ever something in our life that you and I ought to be excited about, we ought to be excited about the things of God. Why? Because we can hoot and holler and have a great time with the NBA playoffs going on, but we can get excited about going home. And isn't it so amazing how exciting you may get about uh, an apparel that you get to put on over the summer that you weren't able to have at West Coast Baptist College? I'm just here to tell you, you and I are never going to turn this world upside down when you and I are so focused on 
on getting excited over a basketball game or a baseball game or a fishing trip or man shopping or when I get to where I'm just here to tell you if you and I are going to have the presence of God may you and I get excited about the things of God I mean every once in a while when you're at home guys say amen to your preacher get excited about it because you'll jump up and throw a remote and, man, you'll high-five and, man, you'll hug people you've never seen in a basketball game. But I'm here to tell you, you get in church and act like you're dead. And then we sit back and wonder, well, we just need some more new methods because people just aren't excited anymore about the things of God. i tell you why they're not excited. Because you and I are not excited. No, what we need to do, really, Brother Shepherd, and I have been around a long time, and we need to, I don't know why I'm talking like this, but just for theatrical sake, tune in. We need to do this, and we need this, and change the lights, and do this, and boy, I'm telling you, then we can bring in a crowd. How about when the preacher opens up the Word of God, we hoot and holler, have a great time, and learn about our Savior, and want to be more like Him, and put a smile on our face, and quit complaining about the temperature, and this is bad, and this isn't right, and I didn't do this, I didn't get the job, I'm just here to tell you, what if you and I got excited about the things of God? Watch this now, I'll be done. I'm, I'm going to skip two points just because we got a lot going on after chapel, but watch. I'll give them to you later, but listen, listen, listen. Not only this, we're going to see excitement we'll share, but watch this. Number four, number two, <laughs> this world we will shake. Did you write it down? This world we will shake. I remember, Carrie, <laughs> I remember coming up here just last February of 2018. We had just moved and we come in at chapel and Dr. Getch brought us back there and we prayed and Dr. Getch said, Bishop, Shepherd, I'm just going to ask you a couple questions. You know, people don't know who you are, why you're here, and yeah, we're going to do it. And I remember Dr. Getch, you asked this question, you said this. Brother Shepherd, why are you here? I read down very quickly sitting down there several things, and those things have not changed. The reason that Dr. Getch has been here for 20 plus years, the reason that Dr. Shetler is here and Dr. R, and the reason for many years the weavers have sat right there where they sit, listen now very carefully, is because we want to see the presence of God in your life. Nothing has changed, watch now very carefully. We want to teach you to burn sinful bridges and to blaze new trails, to quit holding out and quit holding back and quit running away, to face your fears and fight for your dreams, to stop pointing out the problems and seek the Savior that has the solutions. We're here to help you surrender your life to the greatest call, the highest call, a call to be used of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're here to understand, to show you that we don't have to just talk about the dreams and the aspirations and the miracles of yesterday. 
I'm not here to just bask in all the glory of all the doctors that are on campus and all the great buildings that they've built. Boy, I'm not here just to bask in what they have accomplished and what they have done. I'm not sitting here to brag on a a God who worked yesterday. Listen, you and I can do that or kind of had that mentality, but I'm here to tell you, while I am here, while you and I exist, may you and I beg for the presence of God, not so that we can bask in the blessing of yesterday knows that you and I can experience the miracles that the Getches and the Weavers and the Shetlers and, and uh, the Chapels, may you and I experience those type of experiences, those type of miracles, that it's not saying, well, we're out of room, it's 100 acres filled up over the last 30 years. Hey, that's good and that's great and we praise God for the last 30 years, but I'm here to tell you, who is going to stand up for the next 30 years? Who's going to build another 100 acres? Who's going to get out of here and say, God, I don't care what everybody else is doing. I don't care about all the other excuses. No, God, I am going to put my hand to the plow and I'm going to move forward. But I'm here to tell you, listen, college student, there are three types of people that are putting their hand to the plow in 2019. There are those that got to Bible college this year. They put their hand to the plow and man, they're going along and things are good and they're great. And boy, I just can't wait to be in the ministry. And boy, as soon as they got to that first hiccup, as soon as they got to that first rock, it was, well, I'm telling you, I, I can't go any further and ah, forget this, man. It'd be easier just to go over here. It'd be easier with less rules. It'd be easier with, with, with less of this. And I'm telling you, I, I look out here on Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat. And boy, I'm looking at everybody else. And boy, it looks really good. So, you know what? See you later, plow. I'm out of here. But then there's another group of people. And they put their hand to the plow and they're going along. And man, they hit that first rock. And they're sitting there and they know they're supposed to be in ministry. They want to be used of God. They want the presence of God in their life. Say, so look around and maybe they find a tool and they start digging out that rock because man, they got to move forward and God, you see what I'm doing? I want your will. I want your way. I want your type of friends. God, I got to get this plow through so that I can continue on for you. God, I saw others. Well, they dropped their plow and they dropped their plow and they dropped their plow, but God, I'm not going to be that person. I'm just going to keep digging until I get this rock out of there until I can pick it back up and, and just keep moving for you. And God, I just ask, Lord, man, this, this is just, oh, this is frustrating, but God, I'm not going to give up. Excuse me. <laughs> then there's a third group. And they're going along, everything's good and great. And then they hit that rock. And they're watching all these disappear, and they're done, they're done, they're out of here, they're gone. And you see this guy here, I mean, he's digging. Man, you okay, friend? Yeah, man, that's a big rock. But thank you for staying in. Come on, man, we got, we got, to, we got to do this. I got to rock myself. I know how I'm going to make it. I know how I'm going to go these finances. I know how I'm going to get past my parents saying, see, we told you so, now don't go back. I know how I'm going to get around that. I know how they're being used. They got you. They, they already got somebody signed. They found a girlfriend. I got this, this rock. I don't want to give up, but man, that looks tiring, dig. <laughs> Lord, I need your presence. I need your help. God steps on the scene and says, child, 
I've been with you from the beginning. Every step of loneliness you felt, I was there. You see that guy digging? He hasn't asked for my presence yet. But let me show you what my presence can do. You see, the Bible says this, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dimensions or principalities, excuse me, these rocks, no, nothing. All things were created by him and for him. The Bible says, Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty and all that is in heaven and in earth is Thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and Thou art exalted as a head above all. The Bible says, No, the Lord shall fight for you. The Bible says, watch, the Lord is my strength and my shield, and, and thy heart trusteth in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoiceth with my song. I will praise him. It's the Bible that says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. And Lord, I need your help. Oh, child. Here, watch this. There you go. Now pick up your plow. And let's do something. Excuse me, excuse me. Listen, 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 listen. Watch, watch, watch. Excuse me, friend. It's time to pick up your plow. What are you waiting for? Well, I'd rather sit back here and just talk about the, 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 this. Whoa, 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 Aaron, Miriam. Okay, fine. You've already dropped your plow. I'm talking about those who are trying to dig out. Whoa, whoa, it's time, time to pick it up. It's time to be still and know that I am God. <laughs> hey, friend, why don't you sit today? Why don't you pick it up? Why don't we get on our knees and say, oh, God, this summer, it's going to be a lot of rocks. Oh, God, I need your presence. The rock of my mom and dad not being saved. The rock of drugs in my past. The rock of finances. The rock of not knowing what to do. God, it's too big for me. God says, okay, child. Casting all your care upon him. Forget. Hey, got it. Let's keep going. But God, here's another. That's right. Got it. Let's keep going. Wow, this is, God, I kind of like this. That's our Savior. Excuse me. That's our king. The presence of God. When's the last time we prayed for it? 